Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 30, you will survive. Amen, right? Amen. Okay, verse uh, 1, the Lord said to Jeremiah, write all these words that I have spoken to you in a book for yourself. I thought that was kind of interesting, that caught me. Uh, he didn't say write this book, write these words for the purpose of, for the help of Zedekiah, king, or for this king, or for this person, or for Israel or Judah, but for yourself. So the word of God is just as much for Jeremiah as it is for everyone else. And the word of God is just as much for us as it is for everyone else. The sermon is just as much for me as it is for everyone else. God's word is personal and for us. God's word speaks to us individually. And so as we read, it's so easy to be reading and think, boy, so-and-so needs to read this. Or to hear something, a sermon, so-and-so needs to hear this. But it's for us as well. So what are the words in this chapter that God gave to Jeremiah for himself as well as for us? The days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah. I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. That's a wonderful promise right there in and of itself. Some captives have already been taken in the count here to Babylon. And it not only mentions Judah, but my captive, my people, Israel and Judah. Now, Israel had been taken captive uh, quite some time before this and had been removed long before Judah. And so God hasn't forgotten Israel at this point. And he's promising that Israel will come back to the land as well. And so the 70 years later, when Judah comes back, Israel, people from the tribes of Israel, people from the 10 tribes of Israel that were taken under the Assyrian invasion were dispersed under the land that became under the control of Babylon as well. And so then later on, when Persia, Medo-Persia, takes over the land that Babylon had, that Syria had, and Cyrus allows us to go back to the land not only do people from Judah and Benjamin and Levi come back, but from the other ten tribes come back as well. And we see this later on in the scriptures. People with names like Simeon and other names uh, indicating that maybe they came from those other tribes. And some even saying that they were from those other ten tribes. So they came back under that time period as well. So wonderful promise. God hadn't forgotten them. Even in their rebellion... Even in their earlier captivity, God is giving a promise that they will return as well to the land. Thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. And isn't that common even today? The voices of fear are the dominating voices out there. They try and get us to be afraid and, and tremble and, and cause commotion and cause division and, and strife, and, and you know, there's the news, it's just constant bombardment of problems all around the world. That's what they show, and that's what we feed on. And the reason they show it is because we feed on it. But they encourage and, 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 and um, try to satisfy the fear elements in us. That, you know, that's why people like uh, going to horror movies. That's why people like going on uh, bungee cord jumping and, and roller coaster rides because of that adrenaline fear that 
gets pumped up in us. It becomes addictive. And so Satan feeds on that and uses human elements to feed on that. So, so it says, Lord, we've heard a voice of trembling and of fear, but not of peace because peace comes from God. And the majority of us, the majority of this world wants to hear and feed on the fear rather than on the peace, rather than on the word of God that brings about the peace in our heart. Right? When the angels had announced the Yeshua's birth, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And doubters of, of the Bible have said, well, where's the peace since then? It's been 2,000 years, there hasn't been a lot of peace. Well, he wasn't talking about world peace. He's talking about the peace that abides in our heart. A peace that passes understanding, that you can't understand, that you can't grasp if you don't experience it yourself. A peace in the midst of the storm. Not only a, the, the calm before the storm, but God gives us a peace through the storms of life. Satan tries to stir up the fear, the trembling, the worries, the doubts, the fretting, right? And what is fretting anyway, right, Robert? What's fretting anyway? What, 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 what does fretting mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're, you're, yeah, you fret, yeah. Wring your hands, yeah. But that's what Satan wants to throw up. The fretting, the fear, the worries. God wants to give us peace. Peace, trust, prepare, get prepared, get ready. But at the same time, while we're getting ready for the Lord's return, while we're getting ready for all the events that take place before he returns, the calamities that are going to come upon this earth, we can have peace in his presence. Yeshua had peace. Not, only, not because everything around him was peaceful, not because everything around him was wonderful, but he had peace in the midst of storms, in the midst of waves crashing over a little tiny boat ready to sink it. He had peace. Amidst the rebel rousers and the accusations and the false lies said against him, and the threats of death, and then death itself, he had perfect peace. And God will give us perfect peace as our minds are stayed upon him. It's so easy to get distracted with the noises of this world. Keep our minds stayed on him. And he will give us peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with a child. Well, that's a good question nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Asked way back then. Have you ever seen a man laboring with child? Well, now you might, but that's a ridiculous question. He throws it out there. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins and a, uh, like a woman in labor and all faces turn pale? Why is there such fear? Men's hearts failing them for fear. Why is there so much fear when we can be trusting in God and have his peace in our hearts and minds. That's the question God's asking. And this is amidst with Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar already taking a bunch captive and, and coming again, if not already laid siege at this point. This chapter doesn't tell us where it falls, but that day is great so that none is like it. It is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Time of trouble is coming. 
such as the world has never seen. That day is great, so great there's none like it. He's talking about the last days here. Yeah, it was troublesome with Babylon, horrible, and destroyed Jerusalem. But here he's prophesying about a time of trouble, a final time of trouble. That's going to be worse than we've ever seen, that this world has ever seen. And the world has seen a lot of bad stuff, a lot of horrible natural disasters, a lot of horrible wars, a lot of horrible things done by humans to humans. It's going to be worse than anything we've ever imagined. But God will save us out of it. God will save us through it. God will take us through it. God will protect us, just as he did for Hananiah, Mishael, and Ananiah in the fiery furnace itself, in a fire so hot that the people who threw him in died. They were inside the fire, seven times hotter than usual. And Yeshua stood with them and protected them. We don't have to worry about a time of trouble. God will stand with us as we trust in him. He will keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed on him. We will survive. It's a time like Jacob's trouble. He specifically mentions it as a time like Jacob's trouble because Jacob went through the trouble. Jacob was on his way back to his father's house, to his father's land, back to Israel, back to the land of Israel, after running away for close to 20 years to his uncle Laban, coming back and Esau's brother comes out with an army of men. Jacob's there with his little family, big family and flocks and some servants not prepared for battle. How did Jacob overcome? He prayed and he wrestled with God in prayer all night long. That's what will see us through. Prayer trusting in the Lord, totally dependent on the Lord. Jacob's wrestling with God. And God touches his heel and puts him out of joint so that he cannot wrestle anymore. Makes him totally dependent upon God. And that's the position that we need to be, totally dependent upon God. Jacob grabs a hold of him. The angel of the Lord I believe it's Yeshua himself. He says, let me go. The day breaks. Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Can't fight anymore, but will not let go. That's the position that will see us through. Dependent on God, holding fast to God. Bless me, Lord. Take us through it. It'll be a time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob struggling, facing Esau, facing the guilt that led, made him leave Esau, deceiving Esau, deceiving his father. We'll be pummeled with the guilt of our lives. Things that we did 20 years ago will come to our mind and we will wrestle. Lord, you have forgiven me. The Messiah has paid the price for that sin. I am forgiven because of what Yeshua has done in my behalf. We are wrestling 
so much agony, his spirit, forget about the outside world, forget about the Esau's coming against us, forget about the, the disasters, the time of trouble, the biggest will be upon ourselves, upon our souls, upon our hearts. Has every sin been confessed? Has all of self been surrendered? Has all of pride been given over to the Lord? A searching of heart. An ultimate Yom Kippur type of fasting and praying. That's what Jacob was going through. That's what we'll be going through. But we, God will save us out of it. He will sustain us through it. He will save us. He will be our salvation. Yeshua T, our salvation. He will save us out of it. And if he saves us out of it, then we must have been in it to begin with. It doesn't make every disaster just go away. It doesn't make every hurricane just disappear or go in someone else's direction. But he saves us out of it. He will take us through it. Whether we live here or die here, it doesn't matter. If our trust is in the Lord, we will have salvation. We'll have eternal life. Whether our stuff here gets spared or not, naked we came into the world, naked we leave, it doesn't matter. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our trust is in him. And he will see us through it all as we trust in him. It shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck and I will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them. God will deliver us. He will break Satan's hold over us. We will be set free. We will have victory over the beast. We will have victory over the devil. We will have victory over ourselves. We will have victory over sin through the power of the Messiah. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony of what God has done in our lives. He will give us the victory. He will burst us free of all addictions, of all sinful tendencies, all inherited and cultivated tendencies to evil. He will set us free. In the here and now, he will burst us free we will not be slaves anymore to sin, slaves anymore to Satan, slaves anymore to the control of human beings. Our minds will be stayed on God and not controlled by others. We surrender to him. They shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. That's a powerful messianic prophecy right there. He says, we will serve the Lord our God and David, their king. Now, David, he's not talking about physically raising up David, but talking about the son of David, the, the seed of David, the Messiah, the Mashiach. Mashiach ben David, Messiah, son of David. We shall serve the Lord God and David, their king, and that's what we do. We serve the Lord God and we serve the Messiah the son of David, whom God has raised up from the dead. He has raised him up. And after he was raised up, both Peter and then later on Paul, preaching, quoting David, that the Messiah's body would not see corruption. 
And they ask, was David talking about himself? No, he wasn't talking about himself because David's body did see corruption and his sepulcher, his tomb is right here with us. David has not yet ascended yet, but the Messiah, the son of David, did die and did raise. And his sepulcher is right here with us as well. And it's an empty sepulcher. His bones are not there. He's been raised. He's been raised up. And he's been raised up for us. And thus, we serve him. And thousands served him. Tens of thousands served him. Right then and there, shortly after his death, people from Judah, people from Levi, people from Israel, and then it continued to expand and expand. Samaria, Judea, the other most parts of the world. And even to this day, people still serving the Lord God and the son of David, our king. Amazing. 2,000 years after his being raised up, over 2,500 or so years from the prophecy itself, absolutely amazing. God's word is sure and true. We will survive. Do not fear, my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, Israel, for I will save you from afar and your seed from their captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest and be quiet, and no one shall make him afraid. Wonderful promises in God's word. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Jacob, Israel, his people, it's interesting it uses both Jacob and Israel here. Because Jacob is the person who becomes Israel. It's the same person. But Jacob, the deceiver, so even in our rebellion, if we surrender to him as Jacob did and be transformed and become Israel, and it was in that wrestling night that Jacob gets named Israel, and God names him Israel, and he tells us why he names him Israel. We called Israel because as a prince, you have prevailed with God. And have overcome. And that's what Israel means. A prince that prevails with God. And who overcomes. An overcomer with God. A prince with God. And a prince has come. And has overcome through God. With God. Yeshua our prince. Yeshua our Messiah. He is the Messiah. The overcomer. The ultimate overcomer. And he says, we will be sons and daughters with him, thus we will be princes and princesses with him as well. And we also, by his grace, will be overcomers with him. And our bonds will be set free, and we will not serve anyone except God. So we do not have to fear. We are his servant. We don't have to be dismayed. He will save us. Our God from heaven will save us. And he will set us free from our captivities. There's coming a time where we will have rest and quietness and no one will ever bother us for eternity. God will destroy the wicked once and for all. Verse 11, I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you. You will survive. 
That is such an amazing prophecy. I mean, anyone who doubts the Bible, this is a great prophecy to quote to them. If there was no God, how could this possibly be fulfilled? He's saying to Jacob, to Israel, to Judah, you're going to survive. I will not make a complete end of you. I am with you to save you. Even though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you. Is Babylon, the country of Babylon, the nation of Babylon around any longer? No, it's gone. Assyria? Is Assyria around anymore? No, it's gone. Any of the other nations that have captured up ancient Egypt? No, it's been so transformed it's no longer like it was. Rome, Persia, all gone. All gone. I will make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you. Yet you have, you will survive. I will not make a complete end of you. I mean, how miraculous is that? Our capital destroyed, our country annihilated, everyone, everybody taken to Babylon. It's over. Forget it. Small little tiny nation. I mean, that's like today prophesying that Israel, today, tiny little nation, size of New Jersey, will be here 2,500 years later, yet the United States, China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Germany, France, whoever you want, will no longer be here. These big nations with lots of money, with lots of resources, with tons of people, with lots of might, with lots of power, they won't be here. But this tiny little speck of a dust that's not even big enough to be a state hardly, that will still be there. Those people will remain. That's what happened. The United States of its day, the Russia of its day, the China of its day, the Iran of its day, the Saudi Arabia of its day, all gone. All gone. And yet tiny little Israel is still there today. That is a miracle of God. I will not make a complete end of you. And he hasn't. He has kept us and sustained us. Though scattered around the world, lost our language for a time, and yet he's brought us back. That is a, such a miracle of God. And it's exactly what he says he would do. And it's exactly what he did do. It's absolutely amazing. God is faithful. And if he sustained us, and we have survived, as he prophesied, the rest of the prophecies in this chapter, and the rest of the prophecies in this book, and the rest of the prophecies in the Bible as a whole, will come to pass as well. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fret. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be dismayed. He will save us for eternity. But I will correct you in justice. I will not let you go altogether unpunished. <laughs> Lots of people would have wanted me to stop the sermon at the last verse. Lots of preachers would stop the chapter at the last verse. But we're preaching the whole Bible here, right? We're preaching all the verses of the Bible. There is judgment, there is punishment that takes place. 
Jerusalem was destroyed, we were taken captive, and it happened again after that, later on. God does bring punishments, God does allow us. God says, those whom I love, I rebuke, and I chastise. And so, if we're being chastised, if we're being convicted, if the Holy Spirit's convicting us of some area in our life, some sin in our life, some area in our life where we're in rebellion against him, some temptation that's coming over us, and, and God's Spirit is, is, is pushing us to not yield to it, not yield to the sin, not yield to the temptation, then it's because he loves us. If he allows blessings to come into our lives, it's because he loves us. If he allows calamities to come into our lives, it's because he loves us. He's always a God of love. And we need to trust him. He will correct us. Injustice. And we haven't gone unpunished. But, also, he has not made a complete end of us. We will survive, and we have survived, by his grace. Verse 12. The Lord says, your affliction is incurable. Your wound is severe. No one pleads your case. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you. I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy for the multitude of your iniquities because your sins increased. Well, that doesn't sound real good. <laughs> How are we going to survive that? Incurable disease. The wound is severe. No one's there to help us. Everyone just accuses us. Everyone just puts us down. No one stands by our side. How are we going to survive? All those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plundered. Plunderer, plundered. On all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. So this is as a whole, God has done this for Israel, and it applies to us individually as well. Those who are trying to prey upon you, those who are trying to prey upon me, those who are trying to set us into captivity, Satan himself and anyone that he uses, those who are our adversaries, those who try and devour us, those who try and eat us up, those who try and abuse us and take from us and lie about us and hurt us, they're all going to be devoured. They're all going to become prey. God will have the final say. It might seem like in the here and now, the wicked are prospering, the wicked are gaining. But God will have the final say. And they will come prey. May we not be those who prey upon others. May we not be those who manipulate others. May we not be those who overcharge or, or, or break promises or, or abuse others or who control others. May we not be those among those that are adversaries to others. May we not be among those who hate. May we not be those who gossip. May we not be among those who who defame others' names and character and kill their reputations. May we not be a prey. Otherwise, we'll be prey, become a prey. May we not be a plunderer. Otherwise, we will be plundered. May we surrender our carnal heart to God. 
because we are afflicted with an incurable disease. It's called the human nature. It's incurable. There's no medicine to cure it. There's no medicine to help us. But God says, verse 17, I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. So he says it's an incurable disease and there's no medicine for it. It's hopeless. Your carnal nature, you're corrupt, you're going to sin, you can't help yourself, it's gonna, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's where a lot of people close the story. And they say, well, hey, we're sinners, we're just going to sin, this is how we are, and so we're stuck in this situation. So we're just dependent on the mercy of God. And there is the mercy of God. But God says a step further, I will restore your health and I will heal your wounds. He delivers us from that carnal nature. He heals us of that carnal nature. He fills us with his spirit and he gives us his power. He gives us his victory. He gives us his heart and his mind. So we don't have to be afraid. The Lord says, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwellings. The city shall be built upon its mound. Thanksgiving shall proceed out of them and the voice of those who make merry. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. I will glorify them and they shall not be small. And God did that. He brought us back. The temple was rebuilt. Their children shall be as before and their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all who oppress them. Their nobles shall be from among them. I will cause them to draw near and he shall approach me. For who is this who has pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord. We will survive. God will take us through. God will take care of our enemies for us. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. What a wonderful promise of God. We are his people. We will be his people Oh, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we, incurable, undeserving, corrupt, that we should be called sons and daughters of God. The glory of God. The whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. I guess a modern translation would say, the tornado or the hurricane of the Lord goes forth with fury. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done it and until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will consider it. I believe that if they were more righteous than wicked, then the calamities wouldn't be the same as they are, but God allows the, right, the wicked to be blessed with the blessings that come upon the righteous. God allows the, the wicked to be blessed with sunshine and rain just as much as he does to those who serve him and those that are surrendered to him. And similarly, when calamity comes upon the wicked, he often allows it to come upon those who serve him as well. It will come, but through it all, God will sustain us and we will survive. If not here, in the life to come. And that's what really counts. That's the only thing that counts. But we have seen over and over again that he has sustained us and we have survived in this world as well. 
we're still here today and we will survive as we put our trust in him. So as we pray together tonight, if you've been fretting or fearing or worrying or afraid about anything, when we pray in a moment, just surrender all those fears to the Lord and let us accept his peace and his presence. Or secondly, if you've doubted anything, if you've doubted the power of God, if you've doubted the validity of God's word, and you've seen some amazing promises fulfilled, we are still here today as a people and as a nation even. It's absolutely amazing. It's a miracle of God. If you want to set those doubts aside, if you've ever doubted God's word or doubted his promises or doubted his ability to sustain you, surrender those as we pray and let God anoint you with his power and his peace and his presence and his goodness and lay hold of the promises of God because just as those prophecies were fulfilled, the promises will be fulfilled as well. If the incurable disease has been, thirdly, if the incurable disease has been of our carnal nature, has been gaining sway in your heart and in your mind, if you've been preying upon others and selfish and corrupt in your soul and you want to surrender those sins to the Lord, if there's anything on your record, now is the time to surrender it to the Lord. Now is the time to be right with him. You need a time of Jacob's trouble in your life right now. If you need to be struggling with him in prayer right now, do not let him go until you have the victory, until you have the assurance of his power, until you have your enemy vanquished before you, whatever habit, whatever sin, whatever tendency, without no matter how long it's been there, or even if it's been a generational curse, even if that, your parents were like that and your grandparents were like that, God will give you the victory. Do not let him go. Hold on to the Lord. Struggle with him like a Jacob's time of trouble. And his deliverance, his salvation will be there. He will save you out of whatever struggle you're going through right now. Whatever difficulty, whatever trouble, whatever problem, any anger, any resentment, any bitterness, any negativity, any guilt, he will set you free right now, right tonight, in the moment when we pray, she surrender it to him. Surrender all to him. We will survive for eternity with the Lord as we trust in him. If you haven't been experiencing peace, been troubled or worried or caring, surrender it to the Lord and accept his promise of peace in your life right now. So if any of those areas apply to you, let us pray and accept God's promise. Or maybe something else he's been talking to your heart about. Grab a hold of him. Lean upon him. He is our savior. He is our deliverer. He is the son of David, our king. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. And whether that means in receiving of blessings or, or in receiving correction, we give you the privilege and the, and, and the honor and, 
and, and we surrender to you and allow, ask you, and we allow you to correct us in any area that needs correcting. But show us our ways, if there's any selfishness, any greed, if we're holding on to anything, any possessions, anything attached to anyone other than you in this earth, first and foremost, Lord, may we surrender it all to you. We want you above all things. Work in our lives, give us victory unto victory, making us princes and princesses with you. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.